Podcast listeners, we're back. Thanks for joining again and being along for the ride that is the Straight Ace Podcast. I'm Andre Withers, one of four members of the Straight Ace Pod, and it's a pleasure to be rocking with you again. And it's a pleasure to be getting into part two of Say It Loud with Andre Bradford, otherwise known as SC Says. We left the last episode with a dope recitation that really kind of lifted me, that even blurred my eyes and soothed this weary mind. We're going to resume with him and we're going to get into some deep exploration of today's world through an artist's eyes. And if I'm good at what I do, maybe we can get him to do another dope piece. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part two of Say It Loud. I want to go and talk about some sort of conceptual ideas, right? We talked a little bit about you um, and your path. We certainly um, will continue to talk about schools. Um, you know, heard one of those amazing pieces. Um, but I want to talk about creativity with you. I want to yeah. talk about gathering with you. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about um, spoken word or poetry at a time when it seems like everybody is not, is just shouting. Right. Mm, yeah. um, so maybe let's start with creativity. Um, I, I am by far not a creative person in my, <laughs> in my, in my daily practice. And yet I think the older I get, the more I'm realizing that it's one of the things that's been missing for me as a creative outlet. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts about not necessarily creativity and like, like arts in school type creativity, but just your general thoughts about creativity. And, um, you know, we're in such a transactional culture these days. Um, and it seems like a creative outlet for people is just missing and, or you've got to hunt far more to find beauty and expression than, than you would, you know, five, 10, 20 years ago. So as an artist, as a creator, talk about creativity. <laughs> Um, I think the the conception about being an artist is that you're creative 100% of the time, all the time. You're just constantly uh, thinking and being creative. Yeah. And at least for me, that's definitely not the case. Um, I absolutely prioritize creativity in my in my life, in my everyday expression. Yeah. Uh, it saved my life. You know, creativity mm -hmm. is is how I was able to vocalize my own experiences with depression. Mm -hmm. uh, it's how I was able to mend my relationship with my father. Um, it has allowed me to learn my own faults and my own um, yeah. like toxic ways and and come to terms with those and and, and seek to do better. Right. Creativity is pivotal. It's necessary. And I, I would disagree with you. I think everybody is creative. Uh, it's just now that it, it manifests in a lot of different ways. You know, like yeah. I know I have friends that can paint artwork with an Excel sheet, but I see an Excel sheet and all I see is like <laughs> stress <laughs> and anxiety. You know, there, there are so many different ways to be creative, but I, I, th I do think that we are now part of a culture that absolutely prioritizes productivity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times productivity is not thought of in the same way as creativity. Mm -hmm. um, we are conditioned to think that like, unless we are producing, we are not providing any real value as human beings. Mm -hmm. um, 
but you, when you create something, you've, you've produced a creation. Um, mm -hmm. So the creativity, I think is absolutely necessary for us as human beings. It's kind of how we make sense of this crazy world around us. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think it's important to recognize that there are so many different ways to be creative. There are so many different ways now to make a living than there were even 10 years ago. Like we have TikTok media stars, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. we have people like Logan Paul who are fighting professional boxers Unreal. for millions of dollars. There's right. there so many different ways to be creative. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of us get bogged down in this idea of like, I will wait to be creative. I will wait to mm -hmm. um, pick up yeah. sewing. I will wait right. to um, take up artwork or dance when I have more time. When I mm -hmm. when I've get when I've got my life together, then I'll have the time to be creative. And I think like creativity is is flexible. It it's, yeah. it, it is able to work its way into your schedules, but it is important to prioritize it because creativity. Like I think as human beings, we were designed to be creative, oh. to be to 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 find beauty in the world around us and then right. to make beauty out of that beauty. And I think that's a big reason that we're seeing a lot of the increases in like the mental health um, uh, numbers lately with people sure. struggling from depression, anxiety, PTSD. Yeah. Um, we've, we've stopped prioritizing that creativity and I think it's very damaging. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, and certainly, you know, I think there's a piece of our culture today that I, I couldn't agree with you more, right? There's a prioritization of productivity over creativity, but also um, that the create that, that that what you produce in that creative moment has got to be big. Yeah, right? it's got it's got to be big. It's got to be fancy. It's got to be polished. It's got to be um, you know ready to go to Sotheby's. And quite honestly, I think that there's so much room for the more simple, mm. um, the 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 smaller um, expressions of creativity, right? Uh, and not always the gargantuan piece of creative production. Um, and so, yes. um, you know, part of what I'm, I try to, to talk with my own kids about, um, if, if not even, you know, one of the things I talk with students about is the really cool yet nerve wracking thing about art or creativity is there's there are really no boundaries to it. There's really no definition, right? <laughs> yes, people can come in and they can, you know, get, again, Sotheby's put a price tag on your, uh, you know, on a piece of uh, visual art. But at the same time, like that, that two second dance move you just did, creativity, right? Yeah. That, that, that moment where you, thought deeply about, you know, using adjectives to describe your feelings, creativity, right? Yeah. And so I think we also have to just help young people, especially see creativity and see art in a way that is momentary, that is simple, that is um, uh, iterative, mm. as well as large and Banksy type, you know, yeah. uh, for $14.2 million or whatever they <laughs> sold this latest piece for. Um, so now I, I, I appreciate that, um, that insight from you. Um, and I also really appreciate what, how you led, right? You led with the assumption is 
artists are creative all the time. <laughs> and so in a way I do, I kind of think about you always walking around with you know, a pen and paper and ready to spit some lines and, you know, um, and that's not, that's not necessarily. Just rocking my fedora. And exactly. Like, exactly. I just always have a cup of coffee in exactly. my hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my creative space at the moment. <laughs> so, so similarly, um, you know, your, your medium is one that brings people together. And one of the things that's been on my mind here lately is, um, you know, at a time of physical distancing, at a mm-hmm. time of um, all of our coming, coming togetherness is interrupted and are being redefined. We're not coming into the office. We're not, we're not gathering for assemblies the same way. We're not um, having those um, big communal times. Um, and um, on some level, I think that's going to be a little bit of a culture deficit for a lot of independent schools. Um, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about gathering. When people come and they sit in, in your audience and they are, you know, hanging on your every word or, or um, you know, they are uh, coming to hear your latest piece, are you thinking about that gathering experience? Are you thinking about what people are going to take away from being sort of under your artistry, under your medium for 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes? Um, and or what are your general thoughts these days about bringing people together? I am constantly thinking about how I want an audience to kind of leave or sit with my work. Mm. Um, And one of my favorite things about the slam poetry community is that there's kind of this like unspoken agreement. When you Mm. go to a poetry slam, you are agreeing to listen to stories, to Mm -hmm. listen to pieces of work that may fundamentally disagree with your entire view of the world Mm. um, or may be told in this really offensive way or you may just not even like the way that that someone looks on stage. There are all these mm-hmm. things that could go wrong, but so many times and so many nights, people come together at a poetry slam. They listen to stories. They laugh. They cry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of snaps. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of spit poets and rewinds. Like there's there's a community and a culture that is literally just there to hear stories. Yeah. And when I think of like what it means to uh, to gather or to to have a couple of people together to 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 create community, mm-hmm. it's just this this agreement that I in this moment want my story to connect with your story. In this mm-hmm. moment, I want to better understand what it is that you've been struggling with, what it is mm-hmm. that you're looking forward to. That's that's human nature. That's human existence. That is yeah. our that is how we communicate and how we connect as human beings. We just like we form communities and we share stories. That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's very simple. But nowadays we've made it very difficult with yeah. like a lot of our technological advances. And there are now just such deep rooted uh, resentments for entire people groups. Mm. And we no longer are in spaces with those people groups anymore. Yeah. We're no longer in community with a lot of people that we disagree with. One of my yeah. favorite things about the slam community is that everybody can go. Yeah. It's for everyone. Anybody can be creative. So anybody can write a slam poem, get on stage and uh-huh. tell you their political views. They can yeah. tell you uh, their views on abortion. They can tell you their views on gun rights. Um, and you can absolutely disagree with it, but you might find yourself loving one of their lines. Sure. You might find yourself digging the like rap style they delivered it in. Like yeah. there are just these little 
connecting points that you can find. And that's what I think fundamentally we're going there for. We're trying to find ways to connect with the people around us, even if we don't disagree with them. Right. When I write a show, I deliver a poem, or even when I'm competing, I am constantly thinking like, how do I want my audience to leave at the end of this evening? Do I want them to feel motivated to change something? Do I want them to feel hopeful about their relationships? Do I want them to consider how they are practicing self-care? Mm-hmm. I'm constantly thinking of the, the the feeling that I want my audiences to leave with or sit in. Mm-hmm. And then I deliver the poem that I think best utilizes that or best like feeds into that. Mm-hmm. It is so important to me for people that hear my work to leave feeling seen in some way, even if they completely disagree with my views yeah. of the world. And yeah. so gathering for me and, and getting people to, to hear my work, it, it means the world to me that anybody would care that I have yeah. like what I have to say or how I want to say it. Yeah. And I try to respect that by giving connecting points uh, uh-huh. to a broad swath of backgrounds, as many as I can. Right. I love what you said about, um, you know, that one of the takeaways for an audience member might be just purely the cadence of delivery um, from another poet. Um, And I never thought about that. I'm I'm (laughs) in my, you know, I've been to a couple of events and, you know, for me, it's, I think my brain was always sort of in the larger body of the work, right? That that was my favorite poet poem because of the topic and it's, uh, and the person. And, but, but yeah, there's, there's these other little sort of uh, minute um, pieces like cadence that you really might gravitate towards with one poet differently than the topic um, uh, of another. So I yeah. really I appreciate that. Um, there's a there's a woman um, Priya Parker who is doing some really interesting research and um, presentations about gathering. Um, and one of the things that that um, she talks about is just sort of changing up the norms by which we gather right so let's so she uses an example of a dinner party um and so you go to a dinner party and everyone sort of knows what to do at a different part at a dinner party but nobody actually tells you what to do at a dinner party <laughs> right yeah. you you grab your hostess gift or whatever you come you greet the you greet the the, the host or hostess you mingle you have your your cocktail you know your nibbles you introduce but but you know she challenges us to think about resetting the norms of an event like that. Um, and one of my thoughts was like, you know, we spend at a dinner party, we spend so much time talking about um, or introducing ourselves to uh, the people that are right next to us or, you know, the people that we get introduced to. But what would it be like if every five minutes, instead of like you being introduced to someone or you wearing a name tag, every five minutes, someone had to stop the dinner party had to stop and someone had to introduce themselves to the entire group, right? It's <laughs> yeah. a simple thing, but think about how, how powerful that dynamic is to shift it. And, 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 and you're giving everybody the opportunity to be seen. You're giving everybody the opportunity to be introduced. And so I love, I connect that to what you just said about you leaving an SC says show and you've been seen. Um, and, 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 and earlier you mentioned even like you might put out a poem with some pretty heavy shit, but you're also, you also might leave them with a nugget of what do you do next? Yeah. Um, and I love that. And I, I think that's a very different way to gather because yeah, sometimes we go into a meeting and we get bad news and we have to leave and figure out what to do with it. But if you left with the solution, 
and or you left with that felt heavy and the person that delivered the news actually helped me be seen about that. That's that's good stuff. That's good. Stuff. <laughs> I uh, I'd actually only heard of her because of you when you when you okay. uh, connect. Like I actually love this idea of intentionally creating uh, these gatherings and like yeah. having some parameters around them, so it's not just people showing up and just like, well, let exactly. everybody just kind of like talk with whoever they want to talk with. Exactly. I love exactly. that, and and especially at a time when everything is being redefined. Why not? Right? Yeah. Why not? So, different topic. Um, you know. We, I'll speak from the eye perspective, you know, working in a school um, and sort of seeing the life of the adolescent every day. There's so much of it that we can small C control, right? Because the girls, the students at, at our schools are just sort of immersed in our culture. Um, but certainly one of the things that I'm finding um, nerve wracking and hard to hold the cultural line on is this pervasive sense of of outside the four walls of school adolescents and even adults but we'll talk about adolescents are are really in the grips of i'll call it i'll, I'll use cancel culture but the point but my, the point that the larger point that i'm making is like everybody is shouting right and like here, here you come, right? Smooth, suave, debonair. You step to the mic, right? And you, and you've got, you've got your own cadence, and you've got your own, your own style of delivering, you know, poignant commentary, and so on and so forth. And yet, you know, in social media, if not even at the damn grocery store, everybody is shouting. And so, I'd love to hear you talk about like, how do you, how do, you, how do you, how do you, how do you, as an artist, take time to raise consciousness in a way that is again, using your language, empathetic, that is civil, that is patient, not, not passive, um, but, but, but patient at a time when everybody's shouting and everybody is getting canceled and everybody is sort of paying a significant price mm. for sort of touching anybody's trigger. You know, um, yeah. and again, it's not to say that it's not to say that some people shouldn't be canceled. Believe me, I got a list. <laughs> I got my own list of people that need to be canceled. But it is to say that, like, you know, when I'm in my most, you know, sort of Oprah, Brene Brown, Deepak Chopra headspace, like, what do we 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 can't cancel everybody, right? <laughs> and so and so, how how do you as an artist go about like using your medium to raise the consciousness of folks? And while, while everybody's shopping. Yeah, this is such a great question. Uh, so I'm very competitive by nature. It's a okay. big reason that I really love the slam poetry scene because it's a competition uh. and like middle school me is like, oh yeah, I'm going to win this. <laughs> uh, but like as early on in my slam career, I would notice that uh, at least in the Austin scene, the poets who just got on stage and they shouted their whole poem for three minutes didn't score well. Mm. Uh, they rarely made it out of the first round, usually. Oh. And I, like when I really thought about that, that made a lot of sense. Like if I'm walking down the street and there's someone shouting at me, right? I am my guard is already up. My, I'm immediately disconnected from whatever it is you have to say, even if you are 100% correct. Right. 
But the way that you're delivering that information is got my guard up. My, my walls are up. My defenses are, are on full alert. Yeah. Nothing that you're saying is getting through to me. I have found that the work that really gets people to sit and think, even if they disagree with what it is that you say, is work that is either funny, mm-hmm. uh, that you can get somebody to laugh, or work mm-hmm. that is authentic, but not in an in-your-face way. Not mm-hmm. in a way that's like, I absolutely need you to view the world the same exact way that I do it. I can do it in a silent or a quiet voice. I can do it in a loud voice. I just mm-hmm. need you to agree with me. Mm-hmm. I A lot of times when I sit down and write, I'm just presenting an opinion or a perspective that is wholly my own. Mm-hmm. And I hope that some of it connects to your view of the world, but it doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is so damaging in our culture today that uh, we have this deep-seated need for everyone to agree with everything that we, yeah. we say or do. Yeah. And that's just not, like that, it's impossible. That's a tall order. It's an impossible task. Absolutely. You are a different human being than the person across from you. Yeah. Fundamentally, maybe, um, maybe even if you're a twin, just like, on, like very minutely, <laughs> but you're a different human being, which means that you are going to see the world around you differently. Yeah. So when we're shouting to get our opinion across or we're shouting to have our voice heard, we, I think, are missing that point that the way to communicate with someone, to get through to someone, is rarely by yelling at them, by trying yeah. to shout your point louder than the other person shouting. Yeah. Um, there's a, I'm a huge uh, reader. I'm, I'm just a sucker for books. Mm-hmm. And there's an author, um, uh, Chris Voss, who wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. It's actually a book on negotiation. So it's it's like marketed as this business book to kind of help you be better at negotiating. But it's really a book about life. And I love his setup for the book. Uh, he's a guy that like basically was the F- the lead terrorist negotiator for the FBI for years. He's the guy the FBI called when there was a terror, like someone demanding money for someone's life. Wow. And I love the way that he sets up the book because he's he says that everything in life is a, nego- a negotiation, like okay. almost everything. Yeah. Every conversation that you have, uh, any time that you want your kids to do something, it, it's a negotiation. Yeah. And the way he, every single, like it's a 350 page book, but basically the book is about empathy. He uses what he calls tactical empathy uh-huh. to just listen to what it is that's really bothering this person or preventing them from seeing your side of things. Yeah. And then presenting your opinion or whatever it is that you're offering as a question. Yeah. What if what I had to say benefited your life in some way? What if yeah. what I had to say changed the way that you saw the world? Yeah. Is that possible? And then moving from there. I, I've always loved um, approaching things from this idea of not like talking the loudest, but just like, who's the better listener? Because usually that's the person who ends up on top. Whoever go. could really understand what the problem was is usually right. the one who fixes it. Right. Okay. Now, now, now I feel challenged <laughs> when I, when I go, when I go to advisory next week, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with an activity that, that where we can see who's the better listener. Because um, I certainly have a group of talkers. Um, <laughs> we'll see who's the better listener. Um, so, all right. So you hit on a number of uh, of uh, not only my big topics that I want to talk about, but you know, you keep coming back to um, you know your show and you talk about empathy and um, and things like that. Um, and I think you've even mentioned a couple different times, you know, so many of the social justice issues that are um, either, you know, made their way into your show um, or that you write about and or that um, you've even applauded independent schools um, for um, talking about and, and, and attempting to address. Um, I want to see who, 
um, some of the artists' favorite artists are in my next question. Um, I love this um, John Legend album that came out um, about 10 years ago, I think. Um, and essentially it's a, it's a um, series of cover songs that he's done. Um, it's called Wake Up Everybody. Um, and he's got um, covers from Nina Simone. He's got covers from uh, Marvin Gaye. He's got covers from um, uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. This fantastic um, set of songs, all of which are sort of, I, I guess, sort of protest songs of the 70s, um, if you will. Um, but it's one of those um, albums that for me, I love it because as a 70s baby, I, I appreciate how artists were really providing not only the social commentary, they were providing kind of the balm, if you will, for the, for the, the pain and suffering of, yeah. of, of, of people uh, during that time. And so I'd love to hear from you, like, who would be on your sort of poetry, storytelling, wellness, self-worth album? Right. If you if you if you were the John Legend of poetry, um, you know, and you were doing these covers, who would be on your album? Ooh. So I'm going to cover a couple genres here um, yeah. in terms of just music. There's an artist by the name of Julian Baker, um, who is just kind of a singer songwriter artist. Um, she she really blew up over the last couple of years and she sings heartbreakingly about depression and addiction and there's just something so visceral about her work that is inspiring to me Mm. and i think that's kind of weird like if you listen to her music uh it's very heavy it's it's usually pretty dark but i almost every single time i listen to her i end up leaving inspired Uh. just because of her raw vulnerability like she just belts out i love it gut-wrenching these gut-wrenching lyrics and and there's just something very healing to me about that yeah so absolutely julian baker uh i'm actually going to get to go with one of her concerts for the first time in two years and i'm really excited about that um i'm a you mentioned her earlier but brene brown um i Uh, i would definitely classify her as an artist she has a way of telling stories that just people from all walks of life resonate with Yep. And I admire that. Yeah. <laughs> I admire that so much. She's so good at helping people to feel seen, to feel mm-hmm. understood mm-hmm. and to give them like really tangible ways to like improve their lives and be better human beings. Yeah. I, Brene Brown is definitely on that list. Okay. Um, there's an author that I love. His name is uh, Frederick Bachman. He, okay. if you've ever heard of it, he wrote the book called A Man Called Ove. Um, but he also wrote my now favorite book called Anxious People. Mm. It is uh, it's it's a fiction book and it's kind of about this like failed bank heist. But every single character in that book is flawed in some way. And okay. it is the most beautiful book I have ever read. Hands down. Can't recommend it enough. Okay. The most beautiful book I've ever read. Okay. Um, so definitely he just understands the human condition on a level that I just I aspire to. Yeah. And then um, my last one is actually a, a local poet here. His name is Mr. Dave, uh-huh. uh, or that's his stage name. And he is just this wholesome dude. <laughs> just, <laughs> he, he, his writing style is amazing, um, yeah. but he, he has these, this way of getting you to uh, really lean into his stories by introducing a lot of comedy, but getting you to like 
wrestle with some of the things that you probably are carrying and don't realize. Mm -hmm. He is a master at getting you to consider the life that you live as a gift and as something that does require work. And Mm -hmm. that you like, if you want to have this, this life that is full of joy, it does require introspection and it does require you to own up to the mistakes that you've made. And there's Mm -hmm. just something um, rejuvenating about an artist that can both be vulnerable, but also inspire you to do the same in kind. And so uh, those are four people that would definitely be on okay. my on my playlist. That's sure. I got it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and for those listeners out there, um, you know, definitely go pick up those uh, those pieces um, that Andre just mentioned um, and certainly grab that John Legend album. It's so, <laughs> so good. One of, the, one of the other things I love about that album, too, is I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but like back in that sort of, you know, early seven, early mid seventies songs were much longer. And so part of what he also does is he, he's got a couple of tracks on there. They're like 12 minutes long, you know, and, 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 and it's just, it's so good. So, so, so good. All right. So everybody that listens to the podcast knows that we are ready for um, Start, Stop, Continue. Um, It is the way in which we um, tend to button up our podcast episodes with our guests. Um, And it's it's our way of getting some perspective about the things we want our guests um, about how our guests want to see schools start doing certain things stop Mm -hmm. doing certain things and continue to do certain things. Um, For those who aren't familiar with Start, Stop, Continue, um, it is um, something that is a practice with consultants who uh, tend to work with organizations doing um, organizational development work or uh, culture change. Um, So it's not not the the property of the Straight A's podcast, Um, but I do find it to be really revealing, especially as we look season to season and guest to guest, to see if there's any consistencies around Start, Stop, Continue. Uh, And so um, with that, um, Andre, let's 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 start with the start. What is it that you would like to see independent schools start doing? So first off, I love stop, start, continue, or start, stop, continue. <laughs> um, I love this idea so much. And like, I, I wrestled with this, the start one for a while. Um, okay. cause I do think that there are a lot of things that independent schools do get right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are definitely some flaws. And Absolutely. one of the things that I would like independent schools to start doing more of is trusting that their students actually are aware of social issues and want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, some of the reserves that I get a lot when I'm reaching out to independent schools are things like, you know, are you going to talk about uh, police brutality? Mm-hmm. Are you going to talk about the LGBT community? Are you going to talk mm-hmm. about these things that are 100% prevalent in all mm-hmm. of their lives? But mm-hmm. um, for a lot of reasons, uh, schools just kind of feel like their their student body aren't ready to talk about, yeah. yet they live in this world and are interacting and probably having these conversations anyway with their friends. So. Yeah. I, um, case in point, uh, a good example of a school that did this well, um, I did a show in California um, and they were having a symposium and part mm-hmm. of the symposium uh, programming was they interviewed all of the uh, Asian Pacific Islander students on campus that were part of the AAPI community on mm-hmm. campus. Um, 
And they were just asking them simple questions, you know, like, uh, what's your favorite part uh, about being a part of this community? Um, are you proud to be a part of this community? And then one of the questions was, do you feel like the school does a good enough job for this community? And across the board, the answer was no. Um, they felt like they were underrepresented. They, they, the faculty, they also had, they were interviewing faculty as well. The faculty felt that they were underrepresented. And I was blown away. The whole student body saw this, the whole, uh, the whole community saw this video. And I was blown away that a school would be willing to have that, that kind of critical, um, you know, commentary about their yeah. community put out for the, for the students to then dialogue around. Yeah. But I think that's the kind of thing that does instigate change that actually gets students to feel like they're being heard, they're being listened to, they're being seen and they're being taken seriously. Mm. Um, that yeah. like uh, so many times I'll perform uh, at a school and they're just like, you know, you talked about a lot of stuff that we just don't talk about here. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't think that should be the case, especially for schools that, that are as diverse as independent schools. You have mm -hmm. walks of life from everywhere and to kind of like only allow certain topics or only allow certain um, kinds of people to to speak to the student body, um, I think it's a disservice. Yeah, especially at the time where where there there really are fewer and fewer distinguishers between the life of a teenager at school versus at work versus in, or at home versus in their community, church, mosque, synagogue, like they're. There's so there's so um, there's so much. What's the word I'm looking for? Ubiquity, right? Mm. Uh, and 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 so in other words, these issues are everywhere. They're not just on TV. They're yeah. everywhere. Um, got it. And what about stop? What would you like to see independent schools stop doing? <laughs> this one was immediate for me. <laughs> stop only bringing in people of color for Martin Luther King Day for Black History Month. Um, this is a like constant rallying cry for all the people that are kind of in this, this realm of work, but yeah. it is still unfortunately very true. Um, my busiest months of the year, every year, January and February. Um, and it's, you know, it's great that, that I get to be a part of those conversations. And sure. the show is, is a great, great conversation starter for those conversations. Right. Um, but Racism is not only in January and February. Yep. Sexism is not only in January, and February. These issues are not relegated to months. And I right. would just love yeah. for uh, independent schools to, own, to stop only bringing in people of color or people um, who talk about a specific issue only when it's that issue's month. Right, right. Because we sneeze all year long, right? Right. We <laughs> <laughs> sneeze all year round. <laughs> And what about continue? What do you want to see independent schools continue to do? I have truly been um, encouraged by the amount of independent schools that are prioritized talking about mental health. Okay. Um, I was in a high school um, where we did have a student commit suicide and mm -hmm. we didn't have a counselor on staff at the time. We had a, um, you know, a college counselor, but we didn't have anyone that people could go to and talk. They actually, I think had to hire someone mm -hmm. after that happened. And at that point, you know, it's, it's, it's almost too late. Yeah. And so I love that there are so many independent schools that make this a part of their programming that make these, they give spaces to, for students to actually talk about their mental health issues. Right. Um, a couple of the shows I performed at recently, there are student led mental health initiatives 
um, where they create space for students just to come and, and either talk about what the, what it is they're experiencing mental health wise or anonymously text a number, call a number, and a student answers that number to help them kind of process whatever it is that they're going through. And this is, you know, endorsed by the school. I love this. I think yeah. that this is saving lives. And I, I want independent schools to continue to prioritize this because yeah. even though there has been some really great progress in the independent school space, every single time, I perform my show. It is the mental health poem that students talk to me about the most. Wow. It is, um, I get wow. so many students that come up to me with tears in their eyes. And the only words that they say to me are thank you sometimes. Yeah. And I know exactly what poem it is that they're referring yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, or they'll say, you know, I've, I'm, my sister, my brother struggles with some kind of mental health condition. Thank you for talking about this because it, right. it, it allows me to feel like I can understand them better. Um, I think independent schools are doing a great job. I want you to lean more into that. Wow. That's a pretty good list for Start and Stop Continue. <laughs> um, and I am hopeful that not only will prospective parents um, and those who are sort of, you know, an arm's length um, away from independent schools hear that. I hope all of those folks who are um, Straight A's podcast friends of the pod and others hear that Start, Stop, Continue advice and counsel um, because it is good advice and counsel. We are certainly seeing teens um, who want and need to talk about these things. And um, we are needing for that visibility um, and, and, and the ability to be heard, to be the way in which we set the table for learning, right? It's one of those key conditions that if there, if, if, if adolescents, well, hell, I mean, even humans, if we're not seen and heard, we're, we don't, we don't really care what else you've got to say. Right. Um, you know, what's, what is it? Uh, the hierarchy of needs, right? Like yeah. at a base level, at a primal level, you, I don't really care about algebra two trig. <laughs> if I'm not, if, 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 if either I'm hungry or I'm, or I'm tired, or, you know, I've just been reminded yet again, that I'm a blank uh, marginalized group or what, like that, that is, that is so heavy with teenagers um, these days. And so I think that is good counsel for us to think about those conditions that make them students available for learning algebra two trig, um, <laughs> you know, after that. So that's awesome. Um, what are your thoughts about one more piece before we sign off? Oh, okay. Yes, right. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Let's, let's do one more piece before we sign off. Um, again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for tuning in to the Straight A's podcast, season four, episode one. Um, remember to follow us on your social media platforms, hit that like and subscribe button, and do the same for SC Says. Um, tell, us, uh, tell us your social media platforms and handles. Yeah. So uh, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at SC Says. Uh, I do also have a website where a lot of my poems and pieces and just more information about my programming is. Uh, and that is www.scsayspoetry.com. Love it. Love it. All right. One more piece from Mr. Andre Bradford, SC Says, who will take us out. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Enjoy the piece. All right. Uh, so I've been dealing... <laughs> Uh, quarantine has been uh, eye-opening in a lot of different ways. And uh, sometimes I write pieces that are, are really just kind of reminders for me. Um, and so this is one of them. Great. I used to lie awake at night thinking I could be anything. 
would cast constellation concerts with calloused carefree hand and with the other grip possibility into the world's axis became my plaything believed the momentum of my imagination could create tempest capable of shaking the status quo but when i graduated from college i became a car salesman took the first job that said i guess and started checking engines instead of chasing ambitions unsolicited advice there is a difference between survival and settling. And you may wake up one morning to find that you slept through its ringing, the fine line dividing potential and paycheck. Paper thin distinction, holding Hail Mary hostage, a division we weren't told would mean everything. We packed dreams into time capsules, hoping that when we returned to them, they'd have appreciated and value, but the dirt never asked for our misplaced aspirations. So we uncovered nothing but dirty mirrors and questioning glances, wondering what happened to the kid that could manifest multiplicity, that laughed at impossibility like it was the butt of the journey. I used to lie awake at night thinking I could be anything. But at some point, I let go of possibility so that I could wrap my arms around performance metrics, around suffocating spreadsheets, around stop daydreaming, start rationalizing. It is amazing how quickly life can convince you you are still becoming while stifling your everything or nothing. Your fuck with me, my name will mean something. Your by any means easily shifts into rear view conformity. And honestly, I don't dream the way that I used to. Like impossible was just what people said when they prayed that you're easily manipulated, assimilated, like they're afraid of failure. Like I'm toed in, tussled up, terrified of, did you know that you can be physically awake and passionately asleep at the same time? Can be blessed with horizon, seeing nothing but opposition, settling for dollar mini versions of a dream you would have spent your last breath on. It is suffocating, building a boat full of reasons to season your submission with, doubting destiny because someone didn't believe and they're unlikely the way you did, telling you, kid, forget it. Not all of us get to live the lives we told total strangers we'd established, but I'm, I'm holding on to this conversation. Between myself and a carpenter, she said, yeah, kid, the ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what it was made for. And there's weathering the storm and succumbing to it. Don't forget the difference. Humanity has been plotting impossible for centuries, saying you have an ocean of opportunity to deep sea manifest. Don't settle for the voyage of someone else's excuses. And if my life is a metaphor, then I am finally giving myself permission to leave port, to open sail dream again, bigger than I ever have. Because that, I think that's what we were made for. Thank you. Oh, my <laughs> man. Snaps, 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 snaps. Thank you so much for blessing us with that one. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me, man. This has been such a great conversation. I've loved this. Outstanding. Uh, all right, folks. Um, again, this has been the Straight A's Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time. The Straight A's Podcast.